Welcome back, baby! Welcome to another episode of Designated Chatter. This yes, is the place to be. Am I right? Always will be the place to be, Jacob. I couldn't I couldn't see myself listening to any other podcast but ours. We have so much fun on here, and I can't wait to talk baseball with Austin Cusino. Of course, yes, we have Austin Cusino joining the podcast later today. But first, we are bringing some predictions to you guys, some regular season predictions. I, I feel it's a little bit too early to talk about postseason. We'll kind of let spring training and the you know, beginning of the season develop, but we'll get right down to business. Ethan, yes. if you want to start listing off, we'll start with the American League. And there are a lot of iffy predictions, in my opinion, out there, but let, let's, see what, let's see what we got. Yes, so we're going to start off with the American League East. So they have New York Yankees going 94 and 68 and taking the East with Tampa Bay following them with the 88 and 74 record. And then Toronto's right behind Tampa with the 87, 75 Boston, of course, they're not, they're not going to be as good. Um, of course they lost Dustin Pedroia last season. Um, they're going to go 80 and 82. They're saying and then Baltimore with a whopping 60 and 102. <laughs> Baltimore gets the only team with a 0% chance of winning your division, zero percent. I think they they gave them a decent percentage though, zero percent. That's kind of honest. That's a, that's a that's a little generous in my opinion. But yeah. I think this division you'll have to watch out because with the lack of expanded playoffs this year, you're the Blue Jays and the Rays are still a stacked team. So you yeah. might you may find three teams in this division make the playoffs. You might find a, a Blue Jays Rays wild card. I, I, in my opinion, it's hard to lose Charlie Morton and Blake Snell and, and still make a run for the division, but you never know. They're, they still have a pretty loaded offense. They have a pretty young offense. And they do. I, I mean, the Yankees, they, they brought in Kluber. They re-signed LeMayhew. I mean, they were able to bring back mostly everybody. I don't think they're going to lose Paxton. They're probably end up signing him. So I, I have to give the Yankees the odds here. I think an 81% chance of taking it is pretty, pretty good. So and you know what it is? It's just the Yankees, they got to stay healthy. If they're planning on keeping, you know, especially with I mean, the they have now, they got to stay healthy. In the, the past couple of seasons where they haven't stayed healthy, they've kind of relied on their system to get through the, the season. And it, they, it noticed, I think 2019, they're, I think 80% of their starting roster was hurt. And they were relying on rookies. I think they went on like a seven or eight game win streak with teams that they pulled with players they had pulled from the minors to uh, accommodate for injuries. So I think the Yankees they they still have a top ten farm system up there. So and so do the Rays. The Rays have the number one farm system in the league. So I, like I like I said, it it'll be. I think this this will be the toughest division in the American League in my opinion. Yep, I'm just saying, watch out for Toronto. I think I think they're gonna that's they're gonna surprise a lot of people this year. You think that's the underdog of that division? I really do. I think that's the underdog. I think the I think it'll all come down to their bullpen. I mean, Nate uh, Pearson coming off of a I mean a, a short 2020 season. He's he's a rookie who pumps 101. It'll be interesting to see if they if he has the projections that they've given him. So I I I, I would say the Blue Jays can put up an underdog season with the amount of signings they brought in. I totally agree. So on to the American League Central Division. They had the Chicago White Sox winning the division at 89 and 73, followed by 
the Minnesota Twins with the 87-75 record. And in third, they're having the Cleveland Indians come in with the 82-80. And right behind Cleveland is Kansas City with the 72-90. And the Baltimore of the Central Division, the Detroit Tigers with the 61-101. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Tigers again. They're getting a really good chance of winning that division. There, uh, you yes. got to give them. A, you got to give them something. So, uh, I, in my opinion, I'm surprised they're giving the Indians such a good chance, especially after making a, a trade for Lindor and a really good starter in Cookie Carrasco. So, I mean, they still have Jose Martinez. They still have, uh, I mean, a, a decent outfield. Their their bullpen, and they're still carrying. Um, they're still carrying a, a good, a decent bullpen, but I'm surprised that they have them finishing above 500. Everyone basically said them giving away Lindor is basically saying they're preparing for a rebuild. And we, we talked about that earlier. So I, I'm surprised. I mean, the White Sox, I think it'll be between the White Sox and the Twins for that division. You'll have to watch out for them too, as well as wild card teams as well. So the White Sox, I mean, they added on Liam Hendricks. They added on righty out of uh, Texas. Oh, I, forgot his, I forgot his name, but he, he was a, a, an all-star righty out of Texas. So they, they brought in some decent accusations, ac- accusations. So yeah, I think it'll be between the White Sox and the Twins with that one. I totally agree. And if you're a White Sox fan out there, it's your time, baby. <laughs> Ever since 2005, you've been waiting for this team to get done rebuilding. And, and if, you know, if, not, if not this year, you're, they're going to have a ton of success for the next five to ten years because that system, again – is a top five system in the league. I totally agree. Jacob, you know I'm a Cubs fan, and I'm not a big fan of the White Sox. I know. Sox. I was surprised you come out of your I mouth. Can't, I can't do nothing but express how good they're going to be within these next three years. You, you, took, you took the bigger – you took the bigger uh, – you were you, you were mature there. I'm, 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 I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I tried my best. <laughs> Moving on to the American League West Division. They have the Houston Astros finishing at 89 and 73 and taking the title. Behind them, they had the Oakland A's with the 86 and 76. And third, they got the Los Angeles Angels at 82 and 80. The Seattle Mariners in fourth with the 72 90. And the Texas Rangers up in last with the 69 93. Yeah, the A's definitely took a bit of a hit losing Marcus Semyon, an all star shortstop, and an all star closer in Liam Hendricks. So, I mean, as, as a team that you saw was an underdog basically every single season, along with basically the White Sox and the Rays as underdogs, as you saw, it, it's kind of kind of underestimate them this, this yeah. year. I, and, of course, they lost Chris Davis, but they gained Elvis Andrus. So who knows what he does for the A's and who knows what Chris Davis does for the Rangers. And that kind of fills the slot of losing Marcus Simmons as well. He fills that shortstop spot. And I mean, they still have Matt Chapman. They still got uh, Tommy Lestella, I believe, unless he's still in the Angels. Um, Tommy, I think Tommy signed with another team this offseason. I do not think he's with the A's nor Angels this okay, year. So we can double, we can fact check that can and maybe put it in the. But the in. Astros, again, uh, no matter how many times I despise that organization after the cheating scandal. Ugh. They're, they still they you got to give them props for putting together a stacked lineup and they they still got Correa, Bregman, Altuve. Yeah, they they, they, they lost Brant. No, they signed they re-signed Brantley. They have a huge righty first baseman. 
and they they have the DH so they can take him on and off first base. Um, I mean, they lost Springer to the Blue Jays, but they Springer, still they, but they, they still have, got that. Have Kyle Tucker, Kyle Tucker, a, a re, very really high projected outfielder for them. So uh, I think the Astros, Angels, maybe uh, the Angels. You, you, I don't know if you want to count them out, but at the same time, you saw last the 2020 season they had a terrible season, an absolutely terrible season. So, it, and if you think they had a bad season, then you got to talk in 120 games. So I, I'm, I, I don't even know if I have them finishing in the top of that division. You, again, it's too early to make postseason predictions, but of in terms of winning the division, I have the Astros winning that. So I agree with I, those predictions. I totally agree. Moving on to the National League. We're going to start off with the National League East. They have the Atlanta Braves winning the division with a 93 and 69 record. The New York Mets coming in second with the 86 and 76. Coming in third as the Washington Nationals with the 85 77. And fourth, the Philadelphia Phillies with the 83 79. And in last, the Miami Marlins with the 75 87. It's funny. I really want to hear what you have to say about this, knowing you're a Mets fan. And I'm, knowing I'm looking at the projections, the MLB.com projections. And uh, I noticed they have the Marlins. It's funny. The Marlins made – they ended up making the division series last year, and they're giving them a 0% chance of winning the division at all this year. So I uh, I think last year was a bit of a blip year for them. I agree. I hate to hear it if you're a Marlins fan, but welcome back to reality. It was mm-hmm. only 60 games. You're able to put together a championship run in 60 games, maybe not 120. But – it outrages me so much to see them <laughs> put together and bring in so many accusations and still count them out. Still count them out. And the, uh, MLB.com has them winning the division with seventy-seven percent odds with a with a uh, division with a record of ninety-six and sixty-six. That that's MLB.com. Everyone still counts out the Mets. When you add Lindor, when you add Trevor May, when you add Taiwan Walker. When you add Cookie Carrasco, and when you have a bullpen that struggled, but at their best is probably one of the better bullpens you've seen in the past 10 years, I'm sorry. I have the Mets taking that division only if they're able to stay healthy. If the Queens injury scandals can go away, and we, I, I think we, we're contenders. For, I mean, Braves and Mets are the, are, can be contenders for the, the, the World Series trophy this year. I think if the Mets win the division, Braves are going to be wild card uh, winners. Mets, uh, Braves win the division, Mets will be in the wild card. I think it'll be a switch and a switch in both. But at the same time, you can't count the Braves out either. And if they're able to stay healthy, with uh, they had some bullpen troubles, that they, they'll have, they they can make a run at the division well. So I I I can't say for certain that I have the Mets winning, but I just hate how everyone still counts them out. I, I agree, and then the Braves, you're right. They are a team to be reckoned with. I mean, they really haven't lost anybody. They re-signed Marcelo Ozuna this offseason, which is big for them. Um, they got the bats, man. They they really – they're they're all around a great team, but I totally agree. I really see New York taking this division. I, that's, not, that's not just me being a fan. That's just me looking at it from the outside in. Like, it's hard bringing in – so, I mean, just the, just the amount of people that they were able to bring in 
it's it's just hard to count them out as division winners. It's not one of the best having one of the best records in the league. I, I totally agree. And like myself, I'm a Cubs fan, so I, but I do agree that if New York can stay healthy this year, only, I feel like, only. yeah, I could feel like they can take this division. Of course. Moving on to the NL Central, they have the St. Louis Cardinals, who recently just signed Nolan Arenado um, with the 1972 record. The Milwaukee Brewers in second with the 83 and 79 record. The Chicago Cubs in third with the 82 80. Cincinnati Reds in fourth with the 79-83. And the Pittsburgh Pirates whopping 57-105. Zero <laughs> percent chance. Yes. yes. <laughs> Got to be happy if you're a Pirates fan. Give me give me something there. Give me something. So, I mean, I'm sorry to say this, Ethan, but this this is the, the, the dumpster of – this is the dumpster division of the MLB. Oh, I, <laughs> I don't have to be sorry. I know that. I know that we're – And the funny walking. thing is, the funny thing is, all three Brewers, Cubs, Cardinals, basically four. You can't count the Reds out. Yes, they did lose Bauer, but with as bad as a division that is, you really can't tell who's going to take that division. It's funny when you're able to bring in Nolan Arenado and $50 million, you still don't have a straight shot at the division. So, in my opinion, I'm going to go with the Brewers there. I, I like their bullpen. I like their lineup. I, I like how young of a lineup they have. I, I like their bullpen depth. And I, the only thing that worries me about them is, I mean, their starting rotation. They, they, they were able – their bullpen, they had basically the saves leader. They had the, they had the saves leader and basically – I think the, he, he was a rookie. All the, I mean, he, he had the lowest ERA among closers – and uh, you got to love that as, as if you're a Brewers fan, if you have a young player making a, a bringing a platform in the MLB. But in, in all honesty, it, it's hard not to stick with the Brewers there because. See, I, I agree. The Brewers are going to be the team to reckon with. Of course, a lot of their players, Lesson has opted out due to COVID. So they're going to be coming back this year. So that means stronger. I mean, Lorenzo Cain was one of them. Yeah. He didn't play. You know, that's a big name in the outfield for them. Um, I have to disagree with you. I really think – I really hate to say this. I really do, but I think the St. Louis Cardinals are going to take this. I mean, look at first and third. You got Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. You already are behind the plate. You have a young, talented out, outfield. It's just – it's going to be hard. The only thing I worry about for the Cardinals is going to be their starting rotation, bullpen depth. They they got the they got the batters. They need the pitchers. Again, staying healthy, it, it'll be big for them. It, it'll be big for any any cl- club within this division because they can't afford to lose any injuries with as bad of a record of projections that they're given they're being given right now. So, again, this division especially is too hard to predict because yeah. it, they're so unpredictable. And it's like, again, the dumpster division of the MLB. I hate to say it, but they, they are. Oh, I agree. I mean, it, you're right. It's going to be between St. Louis, Milwaukee, Chicago, and Cincinnati. I'm not going to say it's going to be between Pittsburgh also. I kind of like they they haven't done really much to themselves in that talk for the winning. I think that 57-105 is really, really going to be key and probably correct for this season for Pittsburgh. Yeah. That really means anything. Yeah. So speaking of 57 and 105, if you flip that around, 
If you flip that record around in the NL West, Los Angeles has a 105-57 record, and they're going to win that division, they're saying, with San Diego coming in second with a 95-67. Arizona with a 77-85 in third. The San Francisco Giants with a 76-86 in fourth. And in last, the Nolan Arenado in 50-0 give-ups, the Colorado Rockies with 66-96. There you go, Rockies. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Yes. yes, take my off-star third baseman, $50 million. You have three divisions that I'm looking at on MLB.com. I don't know if you're getting the same one. Three divisions here that are given 0% chance of taking it, baby. And you got 20, 21% and 78% with the top two teams in the division. You hate it if you're the Padres because you have to stick with the top organization in the league with the oh, Dodgers. Yeah. They are not taking the division. It, it, it'll They'll be lucky enough to get to 95 wins. In my opinion, I think they'll they'll have a winning record. That that's that's in all honesty, they'll definitely have a winning record. Oh, I, I agree. They'll be that second wild card team, in my opinion. I think it'll it'll be the NL West having two two teams in in the it'll be the NL West and the NL East having a division winner and a wild card team. It'll be either Mets Mets Padres in the wild card or Braves Padres in the in the wild card, in my opinion. And the Dodgers, it you can't really make a case to say that they're not going to win that division. I mean, they, they were able to re-sign Turner. They were able to bring back in Blake Trinan. They're able to bring back – It's they were able to bring in Trevor Bauer. And as much as you would like to count them out, it's still Trevor Bauer. And they got Clinton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, Trevor May, Trevor Bauer – not Trevor May. Uh, Dustin May. Dustin May. I get those two mixed up. And good guess. Yeah. Great guess. I'm sorry guys. Um, so it's just hard to count them out and you got Blake Trinan, uh, running that bullpen, uh, all-star arm. So but I have the Dodgers easily running away with the division there in terms of record. I, I wouldn't be shy of pushing it to 105 because they're playing within that division for almost, 60% of the games throughout the season that you like your odds playing division games in that season, in that division, if you're the Dodgers. I, I totally agree. And like, like, again, like you said, San Diego, you know, you hate to see yourself in this division, you know, with signing Blake Snell, you Darvish, you know, getting yourself ready. You just signed Fernando Tatis for, it was 14 years, correct? You know, you're getting ready for hopefully a big season and, the Dodgers just aren't going to let you have that. They don't. I, they lost Kiki Hernandez and Jock Peterson. Besides that, they're still the Dodgers that won the World Series. And they won a World Series for a reason because they are one of the best teams in the MLB. you got Mookie. You, like you said, the pitching staff now, including Trevor Bauer and bullpen, it's, it's amazing. It's tops in the league. It's top three with the Padres, Mets, and Dodgers, in my opinion. I, I totally agree. Like, again, I agree with you, Jacob. I see the Dodgers winning and this it, division we'll and see. possibly making another World Series run. Who knows? Uh, they'll def I see them in the division champion championships again this year, if not in the World Series again this year, because it's just hard with that good of a lineup. And it, it's, it's so consistent, and you love it if you're a Dodgers fan to be this consistent. And – I just the Dodgers they they don't they don't even when they get injured they're still like another loaded system they're able to not only 
have players readily available for injury purposes, but also players ready for trade because they have a stack system as well. They still have a stack system. You got to give props to this, their scouting department for bringing in continuous amounts of, of prospects. So we'll save, I mean, we'll save the rankings in terms of pitching rotations and all of that for another day. We'll have many more discussions for all the fans out there. We hope, we hope you like what we're talking about. I, I know I like what we're talking about. I like talking with you, Ethan. It, this I like talking with you, Jacob. Thank you so much. It's boosted confidence there. So you know what I you know what I like talking about? I like talking about our special guest. Like again, coming up here soon, Austin Cusio comes on the Detroit Tigers area scout, talks baseball with us on designated chatter. Can't wait. Yes, can't wait and to talk about a, a great scouting organization. Tigers have you know one of the better one of the best farm systems in the league. So can't wait to pick his brain. So thank you, thank you everyone for joining us and stay tuned for Austin Kuzma. Welcome back to Designated Chatter. And joining us right now is another esteemed guest, Austin Cusino. Is it Cusino or Cusino? Or Cusino? Cusino. 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 That's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. We were having a little bit of trouble trying to figure that Trust one out. I've heard it all, man. Don't worry. Trust me. Is that is that Italian? It's French. So it used to be E-A-U-X at the end. And then obviously it changed to an O and it kind of screwed everyone up with how to say it. So... Okay. Okay. That's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. So Austin yeah. Cousineau joins us on the show today. Area scout for the Detroit Tigers. He has a bit of a, a pretty big resume. Coach at Mississippi State, Xavier University. You, you had some professional baseball time with the Mariners and the Angels. And we just, like I said, I, I want to thank you again for joining us, taking the time out of your pretty busy schedule. I know you're doing some scouting right now, but thank you for joining us. Yeah, for sure. No, thanks for having me, guys. Okay, so we'll, we'll get right down to business. Um, like I said, you you had a pretty lengthy baseball career. You got the chance to play in college. You got the chance to play in professional sports. And personally, you're, you're, I mean, obviously you're set up as a scout now. Do you feel that your time as a baseball player, this might be an obvious question, but do you feel that, that time prepared you as a scout? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think you have to lean on, you know, your previous experience um, in, in anything you do. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, nowadays, I think you see on Twitter and social media, it's like, oh, entry level job, you need 10 years of experience, <laughs> you know, not, no, no one's got that, you know. And so when, when you, you try to put your name out there, you try to get jobs, um, you know, the transition from from playing into you know, being a ground assistant at Mississippi State to, to being a volunteer at Xavier to, um, you know, jumping up to a paid paid uh, assistant and recruiting to, to being a scout. You know, it happened so quickly. And to think, um, you know, really in the span of, of two years, being from going from from playing, um, you know, going back to school, graduating, having having no clue what I wanted to do. Um, and, and then having some some guys like, um, you know, Coach Mike Brown is at Hawaii now, Coach at Kentucky, Coach Gary Henderson, who's my head coach at, at UK, um, who were at Mississippi State, asked me to get back in the game. It, it was, um, you know, it was something I jumped on, um, you know, but from there, um, you know, you obviously have to learn. You got to you got to figure out, um, you know, in ways to help the team win, develop guys, uh, recruit, practice, plan, all those things that go into coaching. Um, and you have to, you know, kind of spin it in a way that you can prove that you're ready for that, that next step. Um, as a coach, 
Uh, and, you know, I'm fortunate that, you know, Billy O'Connor at Xavier took a, took a flyer on me and obviously the Tigers reached out and I'm here now. Um, you know, said, I, I definitely don't have all the answers, um, you know, but when you get on a phone call and have to, to prove someone who's, who's interviewing you that, um, you know, you can figure out things when, uh, you know, when it comes your way. So, yes, definitely had to, to lean on on my playing career um, and, and kind of, you know, whether it be spin it or look at it from a different perspective to to say, hey, you know, you should hire me because of, you know, all these different reasons and this is what I'm going to do. Of course. And if you don't mind me asking, you look like you're in a pretty warm area. It's still pretty <laughs> cold here. We, we were trying to figure it out. What, what area do you scout around the country? So I've got, I'm originally from Dublin, Ohio, just outside of Columbus. Um, you know, so I cover all of Ohio. Uh, I go out to Penn State in, in, in Pennsylvania. I take all of Michigan, all of Wisconsin, and then Illinois and Indiana, north of I-70. Um, as you guys know, there's no baseball being played. Well, well they're trying to play baseball. Um, yeah. You know, there was not uh, not that uh, it hasn't been easy. Many, yeah, <laughs> not many teams up there were playing. Um, you know, and, and so like I said, I, I talked to my cross checker, my scouting director, are you know, and I got a nice little run of of catching. Uh, I don't know, I, I might be on the road for three, four weeks total, um, watching baseball almost every day. So right now, I'm, I just finished up a, a weekend series in Jacksonville. Like I said, I'm going to go see see Pitt tonight uh, at JU again. Um, you know, it's good to see my teams. Like I said, I'm, I'm responsible for the, the high school and college teams within that area. Um, you know, so it's good to be with an org that, that lets me come down here and, and that we value seeing guys in person um, early on, you know, because uh, there's some guys that, you know, I definitely think would, would love to be down here, but, you know, they're, they're still trying to get those parkas on and, um, you know, meander their way through whether it be Kentucky or Virginia or whatnot, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I'm pretty jealous of you right now. I'll be up there soon. Don't worry. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. And um, also to add on to that question, are there things that you notice now as a scout that as a player you wish have no you wish you would have known? Like, do you feel that you're adding on things like currently that back then as a player you wish you would have known as a player to maybe improve on your game? Yes and no. I think, I think now that I'm done playing, you know, every, you know, everyone says hindsight is what do they say, 2020, you know, I don't want to mess that up, but you know, I view the game differently. Um, definitely when I got into coaching, um, you know, the game gets easier when you leave it. Trust me. It's, it's, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, I can remember the feeling of my last couple of years and struggling and, and, you know, just, you know, being a draft pick and struggling in pro ball, you know, that daily, um, you know, 0 for 4, 0 for 5, you know, late nights, those types of things. And, and then immediately when you stop that competitiveness and you stop the, the batting average and the, the slums and the numbers, you know, you, you really just have a lot more freedom. And so, um, you know, I, I think now I, I was a pretty simple minded player, you know, trust me, I was not splitting the atom as a, as a student um, <laughs> by no means. Um you know, but I think that that's partially why I had, you know, relative to some other players, I, success can be, um, you know, spend in any way. But I, I was happy with my career. But I think, you know, there, I, I had a, an ability to keep it really simple at times. Um, so I think now that I'm a scout, I, I definitely can find myself getting a little bit into just into deep sometimes. Um, you know, so I, I try to get back to those things that um, you know, really matter about a, a player specifically as, as their personality and, and what they can bring to the table and, and, 
you know, every player can, it has a weakness, um, you know, so, you know, in our job, it's really easy to point those out. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you played 20 years or, or if you were a student manager or if you're a, a you know, a poli sci major, you could go to a game and figure out a weakness pretty quick. Um, you know, so I, I think that's for me when I when I go to games now, I, I continue to try to just simplify what I'm what I'm seeing and, um, you know, realize that, that they are still kids, no matter what, they're, they're always going to be college kids, you know. Of course. Yeah, totally. Um, so as a scout, what tools and repertoire do you look for in a ball player? Yeah, good question, man. It, it varies. You know, I, I think when you start looking, obviously, you're going to break down each position differently you're going to break down different uh pitchers differently um you know you guys know you guys know the sport man there there is not one way that works um you know so so with what you know we do in our job a lot of it is projection to to some extent um but at the other other end i, I mean it's a game that's that's played by human beings i, I love data uh we get so much of it I, I love the numbers like i said earlier you know like I said you, you got to simplify them um, but I, I think that, you know, you start looking at, you know, short stops and, and, and catchers and second basemen and, and center fielders playing up the middle and, and you've got, you know, uh, your power bats in the corners and you've got guys who can run or can't run and defend. Um, you know, I, I, I'm still, you know, only 27, so I'm not old by any means. I, I really don't have much experience to, to base off of, uh, of when I see players of, of what they're going to be. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I still do view the, the lens of the, or the, you know, the game through a lens of playing. Um, but, you know, as cliche as it is, man, I, not everyone's going to be a big leaguer. Very few of them are. Um, very few of them play for a long time. Uh, so when, when you find guys that have tools that are, are similar to big leaguers, um, you know, big leaguers that play for a long time, um, you know, you got to stay on them. You, you got to figure out. Uh, you know, who their high school, uh, high school coach was, their travel coach was, do you trust their college coach? You know, how do they work in the off seasons? Um, you know, how do they handle failure? I mean, it's, it's not a, um, you know, a, a one size fits all. Um, but, you know, when I, when I, when I go in that draft room, I, I've had one of them when I, I talked to my cross checker. Um, um, sorry, some, some guy, some guy needs me to let him in. When I talked to my cross checker, um, I really just try to find guys who go about their business the right way that if they get into our organization, um, they're, they're going to represent us well. Um, you know, they're going to conduct themselves, like I said, in a professional manner because it's professional baseball and that's what the expect expectation um, will be. Um, you know, obviously you have to do something that's going to, you know, carry you up through the, the ranks of the minor leagues and, and you have to help the, 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 each organization or each team or each affiliate win. You know, there's no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, that's a long, long winded answer to a, a simple question for sure. I think we can do that. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, Done we, it before. we got guys constantly coming on here talking about feeling old and, and age and I'm, we're, we're 20, I'm 20. He's 18. I feel like I'm 40. We just finished up a tournament over the weekend and, oh, oh there were boy. some people that couldn't get up out of their chair and we're, we're, we're bowlers. When I, I, I used to play baseball and uh -huh. the bowling team and it, i'll tell you it's a, di it's a different breed out there yeah no i, I mean I, go, go ahead man i i had to tell my coach i'm like um so after this tournament i'm like you gotta make sure this charter bus that we're taking has a handicap entrance so you can wheel me, <laughs> wheel me in afterwards because i don't think i'll be walking yeah 
No, I, I mean, there's, there is, is definitely, you know, when you, you do what, well, you know, what we do, you have to, you know, you have to stay young. You can't forget what you were like at that age. You can't forget, like I said earlier, that the, these, these kids are, are 18, 19, 20 nowadays in college. Cause the extra year, some of them are 23, 24 in college somehow. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to stay young. Um, you know, like I said, I could, I, I, I said, I'm 27 now, dude, from 23 to 27, it's been a blur. Um, you know, I, like I said, I think life was pretty quick up until that point. When I got done playing, it was like the seasons have gone by quick. And now I got a nine-month-old baby boy. So wow. it's moving Congrats. even quicker. Yeah. So stay young forever. Enjoy it. <laughs> We're trying. It's, it's not easy. But uh, to, add, to ask another question, obviously, you have a pretty loaded schedule. You're constantly traveling. And as – as you're put on, say, a scout, I don't really know how it goes, but what is the typical schedule for when you are scouting a, t- a, a, a player that you're trying to bring into the organization? I mean, how do you pursue a scout normally? You're saying like my daily schedule, or like yearly schedule, or just kind of how it, how daily, it works? Daily, basically. Uh, you know, obviously the draft this year is in July. So everything from here up to the draft is really based on guys who are eligible. Um, after the draft, we work on gathering names and, you know, doing, you know, the, de- the database of, you know, medical and meetings up until, you know, now spring season and, and, and extended spring and summer because of the, the draft being pushed back. Um, you, you know, it's typically, you know, we get the D1 schedules, we get the high school schedules. We, we rank the players that we see in my territory specifically who I'm responsible for. Um you know, and then really I, I have the freedom to, to go out and make my schedule um, that makes sense geographically, um, you know, basing my high priority guys that, that I've, you know, come up with. And, you know, obviously I have a regional cross checker and national cross checker uh, above me. Um, you know, it's a constant battle with weather, with the logistics of, of, of travel. Um, you know, like I said, I got a nice six day run here in Jacksonville. Uh, you know, we ran into some weather uh, a Friday. Um, you know, I saw a junior college game with two, two really good arms on, on a sa- this past Saturday. Um, I'm going to see two really good high school kids in, in, uh, uh, in Georgia and Tennessee coming up here in the next couple of days before I see my, my guys again this, this weekend. So, so I'm, you know, I, I'm, like I said, I'm recal. I like to say recalibrating my eyes, um, you know, by seeing other guys, players that I may have seen at East coast pro showcase last summer. Um, you know, there's other events, PG national PDP, uh, perfect games got events pbr's got events um you know because because obviously every publication whether it be baseball america or pbr or perfect game they, they have rankings but um you know I, not to say that i'm doing anything different than them because th- those guys also have boots on the ground or seen live um you know but but my day um you know is a you know it, it's planned out weekly in advance two three weeks sometimes four um, you know, and, and when I get to the week of, it's usually a pretty good idea. Okay. I'm going to have this, this, and this, and I also have to have about three or four other backup plans because as you guys know, weather, um, you know, anywhere is going to affect our game. Um, you know, which, which I like, man, I operate like that, you know, I, I can pick up and, and go whenever. And heck, I think I put 50,000 miles on my car in the past year. So if you don't like driving, you're not going to be a scout. I'll tell you that. Yeah. That was going to be my other question. Because you talked about Baseball America and, and Perfect Game, I was going to ask if you do use those rankings and databases to to use to use scouting. Well, you kind of answered that there. But that was going to. 
Yeah, I think everyone reads those. You know, those guys have been around for a long time. Um, you know, the, the the great thing about what we do is is you know you get paid for your opinion. You know, those guys are are, are you know putting out things, and um, you know there's there's things that you can you can take from them. And, and I love listening to um, you know I, that you know different podcasts from D1 Baseball about you know from what the coaches say about players and, and their schedules and stuff. I mean, it all it all goes into it. Um, when it comes down to it, you know, the, I've got to get on that call and, and, you know, tell my cross checker and my scouting director what I think a, a player is going to be in two, three, four, five, six years. You know, he, he can he can go on Baseball America and read read what they, they think. You know, I don't need to, you know, um, you know, they, they help, um, you know, for sure. They, they put out good info. I follow along. They do rankings, all that different stuff, um, you know. But at the same time, you know, I'm responsible in a, in a different way that, that they are for sure. Of course. Yeah. Um, so we ask this to all of our guests here on Designated Chatter. Um, throughout everyone's professional career, they go through failures. What is one failure that stands out to you in your professional career that you used to better yourself? Yeah, no, good question. And, and yeah, I hit on a little bit earlier, just, you know, I, I really struggled in pro ball, um, you know, and, and you know, whether it be physically, obviously, um, you know, I had a couple of shoulders. I, I mentally, obviously, I, 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 you know, did not fare as well. I would have liked, um, you know, I think when I look back at that time and like I said, when you, when you get done playing, the game is so much simpler when you can take that step back. Um, you know, had I not had that failure in pro ball, I think, um, you know, not necessarily I, I couldn't be in the position I am, am, am in, um, but it gives you perspective. And, and for me, it just realized how hard professional baseball is. Um, you know, why guys I played with in college and high school did well or did not do well um, from whether it be maturity level or they signed out of high school or college or, you know, whatever decisions they, they decided to make off the field. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, just realizing that and for me to, to constantly remind myself when I watch players, um, you know, the, the, the game is hard. It, it, trust me, it'll, it'll humble you really quick. Um, and, and the other thing is it reminds us just how high a level that the professional baseball game is, um, you know, from low A to high A to double A and triple A. And, um, you know, you you watch those types of games, those types of players, and, and, you know, you're watching, um, you know, you're looking for how those guys do it and, and how they're successful. Um, and those are the guys that from an amateur side, you got to say, okay, that's, that. I think that guy can do that. Let's, let's pick him up. Um, you know, so, you know, good question. I said, I, I, I use that, you know, every day I have to remind myself how, how tough the game is, um, you know, and, and everyone's going to go through those dips. And so when you, you bring in a cross checker to, to watch your player and, um, you know, he may do good or bad. You have to, to take it with a, a grain of salt, you know? Now, do you do you feel throughout your college career? Do you think that your college uh, career in baseball did it have or give you any preparation for professional baseball, or do you feel? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, no, I I definitely do. Um, you know, obviously played in the SEC. Um, you know, like I said er earlier, it was. Um, you know, I enjoyed my time. I felt, uh, you know, more than ready to you know enter into professional baseball. Um, you know, like I said, I, I didn't do as well in professional for whatever, you know, reason. Um, you know, like I said, I, I definitely think that I got a little bit more in my head than I ever was before. Um, you know, I, I ended up having a, a, a torn rotator cuff in 2015, um, you know, played 2015, struggled, got surgery that ensuing September on my bicep cuff and 
um, labrum. So, you know, I, obviously a lot of things go into it, um, but it, it's tough, man. Like I said, you're facing professionals, you're facing guys from, you know, all over and, you know, whether they be 14th rounders, 30th rounders, everyone can play, you know, everyone throws hard, everyone, you know, for the most part, throws strikes, every position player was the best player on their team. Um, you know, so I, I think like I said, I, I was more than ready. Um, but you know, like I said, I, I was out of professional baseball after what, three years and I was 23, you know, there's still guys in college who are, you know, 23, 24, 25, believe it or not. So it's crazy with this, with, with what COVID's done to the extra year. And, um, you know, that also factors into to how I do my job now. Yeah, it was, it was a pipe dream of mine to play in the play professional baseball. It was a pipe dream. I didn't, I wasn't as good as I thought. I don't think a lot of people think that they're as good as they think they might be, but uh, I've obviously trying to me and Ethan, we're trying to build a, single path for ourselves to get into the front office side, which is a lot of what this podcast is about. And I want to ask you, was the intention to be in baseball, no matter what it would be there, no matter it be a player or a front office representative? Um, you're saying like growing up or growing up like or, post- or, or just, or was it always to play baseball? And when you, your time as a player ended, was it like, maybe I can make it work as a scout or as a front office representative? No, yeah, no. I mean, I, honestly, man, like I said, I, I grew up, I was a big hockey fan. Um, you know, I, I still am. I watch almost every Detroit Red Wings game, you know, my, my dad and I. I'm sorry. The, the Red Wings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough yeah, that, right I'm now. sorry. It's tough that's, right that's tough. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we had a good run. Yeah, I'm still a fan, though, man. It's, it's of awesome because, you know, obviously, obviously our, our, our owner uh, owns both the Detroit Tigers and the Red Wings. Um, you know, so. I grew up a hockey fan. It probably wasn't until like eighth grade. And I really realized like, Hey, you know, baseball might be something. And I still played football and I still played hockey up till my sophomore year. Um, you know, not as competitively up probably until after my eighth grade year. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't have this, you know, you know, my dad didn't play anything. My mom didn't, you know, my, my dad, obviously, I mean, he, he didn't go to college. He, he was in Vietnam when he was 18, you know, it's like, I didn't come from like a baseball family, you know? So he grew up loving hockey, um, you know? And so when it came to baseball, he, he didn't know much. So he was so hands off with me. And I think that that's partly why I was, was able to, you know, be successful, um, you know? And then once my playing career was done, you know, I had some, some chances to, to do some, some real world stuff, whether it be medical devices, um, you know, I had a, a job opportunity at Make-A-Wish and, um, you know, I never really looked at it as like, you know, I want to be a GM. I'm aspiring to be a, a scout. I'm aspiring to be a coach. I, I just, I had opportunities. I took them. I wanted to be really good where I was, still do. Um, you know, I, I don't ever see, um, you know, your job as a stepping stone. I think I've gotten to where I am because I, I've tried to do really good at, at, at where I was at the time. Um, you know, and, and so that's why I, I like what I, I'm doing. Um, you know, it was a, a leap of faith to, to take the job at Mississippi State, to take the job at Xavier, to take the job here, um, you know, for, for your, whether it be personal gain or, or, or what you think you can bring to the table, um, no doubt. Um, you know, so like I said, I, I just I, I, I never had any ulterior motives with, with the, the, the end goal being a certain um, of prestige or, or whatnot. Um, because I'll tell you what, man, there's area scouts all over the country who probably have turned down a lot of opportunities to move up 
um, and they're really well respected um, in, in the scouting community, and, and they know a lot of people, and they've got a lot of a lot of pull. I'll say that for sure. Of course, so taking it one day at a time. I like that. So take it back to Mississippi State and Xavier University. So as your time as a coach in those colleges, what's one thing you preach to your players to get them ready, maybe for the major leagues or just in general before you go out for a game? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I think, you know, kind of hitting on it before realizing that I just got done playing, knowing the game's really hard and just, you know, toying that fine line of getting them prepared um, making practice really competitive to, to be able to make them, um, you know, more prepared for the game, whether, you know, obviously I worked with outfielders, base runners and hitters um, to know that, you know, try to slow the game down, you know, try to slow the back down, um, you know, it, the, the cliche of taking the game one pitch at a time. Um, you know, I, I thought for the most part, I, I, I could handle the players failures a little bit easier than maybe, maybe some other guys, um, and, and understanding, um, you know, just kind of how they felt, um, you know, from a from a career's perspective or, or game by game, um, you know. But I, I think at the end end of all of it, my overall overall um, kind of uh, what I wanted from my players is I, I just wanted them really to compete. You know, I think as a coach, when you play another another team, you can really you can really sense that competitiveness um, in a lineup of guys who you know, work counts, you know, take, take advantage of, uh, of pitches over the plate, um, you know, whether it be fighting off pitches or two strikes or they'd be taking a hit by pitch, um, you know, uh, you know, spitting on the, the one, two slider after you've already gotten two and you swung, you know, just, just those little battles that I think you can, can, you know, kind of, kind of sense of that, that, that heartbeat of the game. I, I really, I really just wanted our guys to, to compete. Um, you know, I think that's why you coach, um, you know, you, you have that competitiveness, like you are still playing, but in a, a different capacity, um, you know, so that was the biggest thing I felt like when I was coaching, I, I just wanted my guys to, you know, to, to get in there and, and, and treat it like they were not, not, you know, not necessarily war, but, you know, just go up there and, and you know, you want to, you want to, you know, win that paddle versus the pitcher, you know. Of course. Awesome. Uh, Ethan. I can't, my, my watch is acting up. My watch is acting up for some reason. What, what time is it? I don't know why it's acting up. Jacob, I feel like at this part, you just need a new watch because it's know. every, every, every podcast, Jacob. Well, let me tell you what time <laughs> it is for last time. It's time for The Pickle. Oh, man, it's the pickle. It's the pickle. So your, your job's not done yet, Mr. Cousineau. We have more tough questions for you. And these, they're basically, as we say, the, the pickle, we got 10 rapid-fire questions for you. They're fun questions. And basically, there's some tough questions in there, but we you take, all, take all the time you need, no rush, but answer them to your best ability. Fair enough, man. Let's do it. I'm ready. All ready? So number one, who is your favorite player going up? Jacoby Ellsbury. Jacoby Ellsbury, okay. Um, favorite batting stance? Oh, man, probably Ken Griffey. Ken Griffey. Junior, man. junior, sorry, junior. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number three. Who's a favorite stadium you played at as a college player? Man, LSU was wild. 
Arkansas was wild and Mississippi State was all three of those. I don't have a favorite. Um, I would, those three were pretty good. Ole Miss, too. That whole SEC West is pretty good, but yeah. those three stick out in, in particular. What's your favorite MLB stadium? Favorite MLB stadium? I have not, believe it or not, have not been to a lot of them. Um, you know, obviously the first game I ever went to was to, to Comerica and, and, you know, working for the Tigers, it's, it's kind of hard to, to not say, uh, Comerica since I do have my first ever MLB game experience there for sure. Now, is there one stadium that you're trying to get out to that you've always been like fanboying of? Um, I think it would be pretty cool to go to Fenway before if they ever get a new one. Um, Caroline I, makes the experience so great that I'll tell you that. Yeah, I was at Wrigley before the, the the renovations, and that was unique. There's no, there, that was that was fun too. All right, and there's number five, no, number six. This this is the toughest one. No, number five. Who was your favorite MLB team? Sorry. I, well, I, like I said, I grew up a Red Wings fan. I did. I I didn't grow up a huge hockey guy, so just because my dad was from Michigan, I, I I grew up you know rooting for the Tigers. So it's pretty cool. I get to work for him now. Of course. <laughs> So this one's a little tough. Who do you think the GOAT of the MLB is? Currently? Uh, I would say of all, all time. All time. Of all time? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I might be biased because I'm young, but, but Mike Trout does some, some crazy things. Um, and, and so I, I think he's got to be, um, you know, if he keeps it up, I, I don't see why he would not be. Couldn't, couldn't disagree with you. Number seven, I'm going to hit you uh, with another hard question here. What is, he, in your opinion, the greatest of all time MLB dynasty? You could pick time frame as well. It doesn't have to be just one single one single dynasty, but a time frame. What, what, in your opinion, greatest of all yeah. time? Dynasty? Well, <laughs> good question. I have to go back because I told you I'm not a big baseball nut, you know, so I don't know like a lot from the past. Um, you know, back when, I don't know, when the Yankees were rolling through there with, with, the, with the late 20s and 30s, I, you know, with Yogi Berra, he's got, what, 10 rings or whatever. Mm. I mean, it, it's pretty hard to, to, you know, not say them. You know, the big red machine had a good run there. I'm glad um, you brought that you know, up. I, I, I'm the Braves didn't win a red machine. Yeah, that, the, the Braves, I mean, didn't – what, they went two in the 90s or, you know, they won the, so many pennants in a row. Um, you know, the, the Dodgers are re, have been really good for the last decade, albeit one series. But, I, I mean, it would be hard to, to – against those old Yankee legends, you know. Of course. I would totally agree. Um, so, everyone has their answer for this question. What is your favorite ballpark snack? Ballpark snack? I, I mean, I – could you dig those crickets a, out in Seattle? I, I don't know if I can dig I, those crickets I, I out in Seattle. No, I, I had a, I had, I, I want to say I had a bratwurst at the White Sox Stadium summer of nineteen, and that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Not gonna lie. Well, that's funny because Luke actually said that his favorite food was bratwurst. Really? Oh, oh yeah. I gotta change it now. I can't be. I can't be. <laughs> <using it. laughs> All right. So number nine. In your short experience so far, who's the favorite player that you scouted that you've put in the organization? Oh, I got, I, you know, I, I got to say Dylan Dingler, my, my second round pick last year, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I've had such a short time scouting. Um, you know, I, I liked a lot of players. Um, 
you know, I, I really liked Ed Howard, a prep shortstop out of Chicago last year. That one really sticks out in my mind. The Cubs took him in the first round, didn't get to our, our pick at 38. Um, he, he was one guy I, I really just – and I didn't even have the chance to watch him with, with the COVID 2020. Um, but just seeing him work out indoors over the winter, talk, you know, doing the, the in-home meetings, doing the, the FaceTime meetings. Um, I, I mean, I just thought he was an exceptional human. I thought he was extremely mature. Um, I thought he was more mature than I was personally in, um, in a lot of ways. Um, I thought that he, he was a person that was going to, was going to be able to handle failure and, and play the game for a really long time in the middle of the diamond. And, and I, I didn't even get to see him play. So, you know, I watch video and whatnot, but just, just him as a person, I, I really gravitated towards him. And um, obviously that's why he was a, a first rounder to the Cubs before we got to him. To speak on that, uh, I've, I've wanted to ask for a while. You, you guys, obviously you took Spencer Torkelson last in the draft. Yeah. I, I want, I don't know if you've gotten much to see on him, but how, like, how good is this man? I mean, there's some high projections for him, and I just want to know if you've gotten a look for him, how, how, what are the projections like? Yeah, I, I've never seen him play. Um, I actually, I should say play professionally. I, I coached against him when he was at ASU and I was at Xavier in, in 2019. Um, we did the four-man outfield, and, the, and uh, <laughs> you know, we, we knew he was really special, and that was probably, what, week three, I think. So he hadn't really hit his stride yet. Um he hit a lot of balls hard, but I, I mean, just the, um, you know, the presence that he has in the box, obviously you don't go one, one without being a dude, um, you know, just the bat speed and the ability to impact the ball and pitch selection. And, and um, you know, obviously the, the power to, to, for him to be able to hit for power and average down the road, um, you know, following, you know, a bunch of people on Twitter and seeing him take balls at third and having a chance to stay there this um, you know, whether it be this spring or through the minors, I think is, is a plus if he can handle that. Uh, um, you know, he played first at, at ASU. Um, but, you know, our area scout down there, Joey Lothrop, did a, did a great job. Um, you know, he, he went to school at ASU. He was a student manager there. Um, you know, he, he, you know, he still does. Like I said, he is on top of it. Um, and, and so, you know, he checked all the boxes. And I think he's going to have a, a very long, successful career for sure. Awesome. So the last last question for the pickle segment we have for you. I know you said you haven't been to many um, MLB stadiums, but just for maybe watching on TV, what do you think is your favorite MLB fan base? Which ones? What fan base do you think is the ones that are always behind their team, no matter what, good or bad? Best MLB fan base. Best uh, man. I mean, you can't look at Twitter because you're not going to see much positivity there. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. I, you know, having, you know, having some buddies that, that play all over and still play through the minors and whatnot. Um, you, you know, I, I think it's, and I've seen, you know, and it's hard to base it off of, you know, without being to the games and interacting with people. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think when you go and, um, you know, whether if you follow beat reporters or, you know, recently, I, I really like how uh, John Boy, I don't know if you guys know John Boy. He does Talking Yanks, and, and he does a lot of, um, you know, Yankee stuff. He's starting to dabble into just, you know, normal sports stuff and, and normal life, you know, news. And, um, you know, you just see a lot of negativity out there in any fan base because, you know, anyone can, can get behind, um, you know, the, the phone or a screen and say what they want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but I, I, 
you know, being in Cincinnati Xavier, I thought Reds fans were loyal. Um, you know, I, I think that um, I think Cleveland definitely has a different breed of fans for, mm-hmm. for having such long tenured, um, you know, times that they weren't successful or having glimpses of, of success. Um, you know, but I mean, it's hard to say that the, the Detroit fans are, aren't the best, you know, and, and we're going through a rut right now, whether it be Lions, Pistons, Tigers and Red Wings. But, uh, you know, I feel like when, when things are rocking in Detroit, man, it, it's pretty fun and it's pretty special to be around. And uh, I'm definitely I'm looking forward to, to the turnaround in, in all the orgs. There's no doubt because I think it'll happen fairly soon. Yeah, yeah, the, the rebuilding process is, it seems to be kicking in the gear because I know I know the farm system is ranked pretty highly right now, so it's going to turn out something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, no, I, no, we're looking forward to it. <laughs> all right, and that'll do it for the pickle. I, I I'm going to give you a hundred on that. You, yes. you, you did pretty well. You did pretty well. Nice. So um, that'll nice. actually do it for today's episode. Mr. Cousineau, I want to thank you again for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I guess I know you're busy, but just to give us some of your time, hopefully we lived up to the expectations. <laughs> no, we did, man. I enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. I appreciate you guys having me. And, and you know, I hope I could contribute to, to some with some couple more viewers in the future. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. Um, then again, all you Designated Cheddar fans out there, make sure to follow Designated Cheddar on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can listen to all our podcasts on Spotify and Apple Music. Stay Thanks tuned. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we hope to see you on future episodes.